I had exactly the same experience in so many ways. And, you know, I never felt smart. I never felt smart. And I decided that if I could get a first in economics, which is my degree, despite being almost numerically dyslexic, I still don't know how I did it. And I remember the day that I got that first, I would have been, what, 21. It was one of the worst days of my life because I remember getting that result and I didn't feel any different. And I remember the thought, clear as day, which was shit. So if this isn't it... What is? And it petrified me because I didn't know the answer. So what you just shared, I can almost guarantee, as I'm sure you can, that quite a lot of people who are listening or watching to this right now know exactly what you are talking about. They may be in the midst of this kind of struggle in terms of, is this it really? Is this life? They might say, well, I've got a roof over my head. I can afford food and like my holiday each year. But is this all there is? And it's not to say that these things aren't of any value at all. I think it's how you identify with them that's key. Like if you think it's going to make you happy, I think that's where the problem lies. And again, going into one of the reasons why, and I share a lot about this and what people can do about this in the book, this is all really in chapter one, really to open up what is the definition of happiness for you? How can you redefine it? How can you redefine success? How can you figure out what your values are? How can you figure out what your true identity is? Identity is key because People will say, or I might have said a few years ago, you know, people say, you know, what do you do? Who are you? So, well, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a father, whatever, right? But I think getting too attached to these identities is actually really very, very problematic. So, for example, the identity of a doctor. If you strongly identify that, you know, I'm a doctor, that's who I am, that defines me. Well, you're putting yourself in a very fragile position because what happens if you get fired from your job? then you've got a big problem. If your whole identity is wrapped up in being a doctor, you've got a problem. What happens if you get sick and you can't work for six months? That happens. That happened to my dad and then he had to medically retire. Now you've got a big problem. What happens when you retire? This is super common, Zoe. People retire and they've lost their sense of self because it was all wrapped up in their job. So being a doctor is one of the roles that I play. It's not who I am. We get so attached to these roles that you could say, oh, I'm a doctor. So, you know, what's a doctor look like? Well, you know, a doctor should dress like this and a doctor drives a car like this. This may sound ridiculous. I know so many doctors who are like that. And I know so many doctors who are really unhappy. They've chosen the wrong career for them. They did it because they were good academically and they thought I should probably go into medicine or law or one of these jobs. They're now stuck in their 30s with a mortgage and a lease on their car can't stand their jobs. So what do they do? They get smashed on a Friday and Saturday night. That is a compensation. That is their way of trying to redress the balance of the fact that they're discontented. So they thought, oh, you know, if I get this prestigious title of doctor and I do this and I'm looked up to by society and all this noise you create in your mind, well, that's not true happiness. What about me as a father? This may be relevant to your audience, Zoe, in particular. I don't even identify as a father anymore. And what I mean by that is this, being a father is a role that I play. It's not who I am. Now, let me clarify what I mean by that, because again, I'm not insisting that anyone else feels this way about their role as a parent. What I'm offering, I hope, is some different ways to potentially think about our lives. So 
Being a father is probably the most important role in my life. It's something I take very seriously. It's something I really put a lot of thought and effort into, into how my wife and I parent our children. What example am I setting? What mistakes do I not want to fall into that I now perceive myself to have fallen into? And I've seen this with patients and friends. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash motherkind. Let's say someone's listening to this and being a mum is who they are. Okay, well, let's just extend that out a little bit. What happens if when your kids are a little bit older, I'm thinking of one patient in particular at the moment who would keep saying, I'm a, you know, I know there's all kinds of things going on in my life that aren't great, but I'm a great mum. I'm a fantastic mum. She would always tell me that. I thought, okay, great. You know, good for your kids. It's amazing that you're a great mum. But what was really interesting is that there was a fragile identity being built up around that. So when the kids are teenagers and they come home one day and go, you're a crap mum. Can't believe you did this. You're such a bad mum. Maybe just in a moment of anger, she felt worthless. She'd then drink booze in the evening to help her numb that pain because in her head, she was a good mum. And it was so fragile that as soon as it gets challenged, she falls to pieces. This is one of the things, and I'm trying to be very careful with my words. You know, I'm a man talking about mothers. I've got to be very, very careful. And I want to be very careful and respectful. But I can talk about my experience as a doctor. One of the things that I've seen, let's say when kids leave home, and I've seen this with many mums, there is a real hole in their life. And I understand that there's multiple reasons for that. I am suggesting that potentially one role or one reason for that is that we clung too tight to that as our identity. So, you know, there's a whole section on this in the book if people are interested in learning more. But I guess my take home for people and for myself is instead of identifying with these roles, I now identify with my values. So I've done a lot of work on trying to come up with what my three core values are. And it's something I'm constantly refining and tweaking. But as we record this conversation, Zoe, the three values that I think encompass me the most in terms of alignment, in terms of who I think I am and who I would like to be are integrity, compassion, and curiosity. Now, what I love about values for people is that then you can bring those values into every part of your life. When you are being a mother or a father, I can make sure I act with integrity, compassion, and curiosity. When I'm a doctor, with my patients, with my colleagues, I can interact with integrity, compassion, and curiosity. When I'm in the local coffee shop ordering my coffee, I can interact with the staff there and the other people in the queue there with integrity, compassion, curiosity. 
it almost becomes this bubble of resilience that I take around with me that I can make sure that I'm living in accordance with my values in whatever role I'm playing in life. And why I think that has real practical take-home for people, Zoe, is another thing I've been thinking about, and I know you've probably spoken about this on your show before, but you've probably seen these kind of videos and memes around that it's not about happiness, it's about meaning. And I thought long and hard about this when I was writing this book. I thought, well, sure, meaning and purpose are great things to pursue and try and get in our lives, but is that the same thing as happiness? When you look at it through the lens of my core happiness tool, I don't think it is. Meaning and purpose is an essential ingredient, I think, for happiness. It's certainly a helpful ingredient, but it's not happiness in and of itself because you could make the case that, let's say in World War II, there could have been a soldier fighting against the Nazis. One might try and make the case that that soldier was leading a meaningful life, but it doesn't mean they were happy, right? Let's take it to the current day, this whole thing around meaning and purpose, which I support looking for meaning and purpose. But let's say you have your dream job that gives you that strong sense of meaning and purpose. Great. You could still be working too hard. You could still be getting stressed out. You could still be neglecting some of the really important things in your life, like your relationships. So that's why I like this three-legged stool, because you can like work on these different legs and try and get some balance between them. And so I think meaning and purpose comes under the alignment leg. Sure, get some meaning and purpose in your life, be more aligned, brilliant, but also let's make sure you're working on contentment and control. And what it also means, Zoe, is that for someone out there who's listening, and this is one of the problems with the meaning and purpose narrative sometimes for people is that they go, well, I don't know what my meaning and purpose is. Oh, it's great for you that you found your meaning and purpose and you're living this wonderful life, but I'm working in a call center to pay my bills. What's meaning and purpose got to do with me? And that's where I think the alignment leg and values comes in because if that person working in the call center, or frankly anywhere, that potentially may not be their dream job, well, figure out what your values are, write them down somewhere, tweak them every Sunday, go, does this fit right or do I need to change them? And then assess each day, am I living my life with those values? Because let's say that person, one of their values is kindness. They may not like their job, but if when they buy their coffee in the morning, if they're kind to the barista, when they get on the bus and they're kind to the bus driver, when they're at work, they're kind to their colleagues and they're kind to the clients who they're calling, well, you know what? I would argue that they are leading a life of meaning. And the more that they do that, the more they're likely to find those kind of other opportunities and jobs that they may want to change in the future. So I think this whole piece around identity and values is a really key thing for each and every single one of us to get right. 